Well, that's a great question. What would life be like if we let Jesus live through us? Haven't you wished you were a better person? That you didn't make the mistakes that you made? That maybe you were someone else or, or that uh, you had their gifts or their abilities or their resources? That song resonates with all of us. Jesus, who made everything, the Son of God who created the universe, can live through you and accomplish through you what he, what he desires for you to do. There's a passage of Scripture. This, this coming week is uh, Ash Wednesday. I mean, Tuesdays, Mardi Gras. It's always seemed kind of crazy to me. Everybody parties big on Tuesday and then calms down on Wednesday. I don't really understand that. Um, but Ash Wednesday is uh, the time where we begin to think about Jesus' death, his suffering, crucifixion, and eventually ending up in Easter, the resurrection. Seven weeks, and we're getting ready for it. And uh, so I want to just point to Jesus this morning. John 18, verses 28 through 38. The sermon's entitled, What is Truth? John 18, 28 through 38. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the place. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Do you think I am a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now this is it, verse 38. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. I'm going to continue. It was your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. <coughs> Excuse me, now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. <coughs> Fighting a cold. What is truth? Pilate asked, but, but you notice he doesn't wait for an answer. He asks the question, and then he turns and goes back out to the Jews and reports that he can find no reason to bring any charge against Jesus. Too bad Pilate didn't know the truth was standing right there in front of him. Let's bow together. Father, as we come here this morning to worship you, approaching that season of the year where we remember what you did for us. Going toward the cross, going into Jerusalem, 
knowing what it would mean. You gave us a perfect model, an example to follow. And yet so often, like Pilate, we turn away. We ask questions, but we don't wait for the answer because we really don't want to hear it. So help us see you in all your glory in the coming weeks. And help us acknowledge that you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. And apart from you, there is no other. In your name we pray. Amen. So Pilate looks at Jesus in verse 38 and says, What is truth? We have come to a day, and, and I know you've seen it in our society, where there, everything is relative. There is no absolute truth anymore. People do pretty much whatever they want to do and justify it. They rationalize it. They explain it away by saying, well, it seemed right to me at the time. Or it was just something I wanted to do. So if there is no truth, if there is no real absolute meaning in life, then everything is governed by our own personal preferences. And what may be true for you may not be true for me. What may be true for me may not be true for you. And so someone says, let's cheat on a test tomorrow. And you say, well, okay, you know, as long as I can get a better grade, I don't see anything wrong with that. Or your partner in business says, let's come and change some, some numbers on this report so we can meet our quota. And you say, well, it's a stupid boss, you know, he'll never know the difference. Or your girlfriend says, you lied to me, didn't you? And she says, well, what do you mean by lie? You know, everything is, is there is no black and white anymore. Everything is gray, and, and I can make things seem the way I want to if there is no real truth, if there is no absolute truth anymore. And that's the world that we're living in today. Everything is relative. It's a world where all ideas and lifestyles and behaviors and religions are purported to be of equal value. So lying and cheating and stealing are okay as long as you don't get caught. <coughs> and I've always wondered, when someone gets caught and they say, I'm sorry, are they saying, I'm sorry because they did wrong, or are they saying, I'm sorry because they got caught? Would they be, have been as sorry if they hadn't gotten caught? So everybody does what they wants to, want to do, and Frank worships Jesus, and Terry worships Buddha, and Sheila worships her crystal, and Bud worships his tree in the backyard, and it all means the same because everything is relative, and there is no absolute truth anymore. Some people call it postmodernism. Some people call it relativism. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's as old as Pilate playing politics on Good Friday. My goodness, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where the snake tells Eve that God didn't really mean what he said, that all the trees are the same, and it won't really make any difference. Eat the fruit of whichever one you want. The Romans didn't really care if, if Christians worshiped Jesus as long as they worshiped Caesar too, and so there are a lot of Christians who accommodated and said, yeah, we can worship Caesar and Jesus and anything else you want us to, just leave us alone. 
Statistics today say, sadly, that few people believe in absolute truth. Reality just isn't what it used to be. Now, I heard a story about three umpires who were talking about calling balls and strikes before a game. One umpire said, I call them the way they are. And the second umpire said, I call them the way I see them. And the third umpire said, they ain't nothing till I call them. And that's the way a lot of folks, it is for a lot of folks. That's the worldview. Believe anything you want to. It doesn't matter. Everything is equal. Everyone has their own authority. Whatever you want to think is okay. I want to get some statistics right because it's kind of startling. Less than one half of born-again adults and less than 10% of born-again teens believe in the existence of an absolute moral truth. More than 70% of American adults agree there are no absolute standards that apply to everyone. Almost one half of American adults believe it's all right to bend the rules for your own benefit. So is it any wonder that 70% of American teenagers admit to cheating on exams and don't see anything wrong with it? If our culture has rejected the idea of an absolute truth, then everything is okay. Everything that you can get away with is okay. And that's why, <clears throat> I guess, I'm kind of amused when I see somebody, you know, in the news that's caught, I guess, red-handed, and they come into court, what do they always plead? Not guilty. Are they guilty? Yes. Did they do it? Yes. But it depends on what you mean by guilt, I guess. There were extenuating circumstances, and it goes on and on. But all that changes, and this is a point I want to make this morning. All that changes because of what Jesus said a few chapters earlier in John. In John 14, 6. It's a great verse. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I looked it up in the Greek this week. The truth is very specific. It has an article in front of it. I am the truth. So when Pilate asked what is truth, Jesus could have said, it's standing in front of you. You're looking at it. Truth for a Christian is not a, a bunch of propositional facts to believe in. Truth is a person to follow. Truth is a person if you want to know what truth is, it's Jesus. If you want to know what absolute moral right is, it's Jesus. And if you have a standard like Jesus, it changes everything. You don't have to ask anymore, is this right or wrong? You look at Jesus and follow him. And with that bold statement, this is what I want you to, to get this morning. So many people around you will say there is no absolute truth, and I want you to understand there is, and it's Jesus Christ. It's a person. And when you follow him, then you'll, you'll follow truth, the truth. Jesus is the truth in so many different ways. And I just kind of listed them for you in your bulletin. He's the truth for thinking, for living. He's the truth forever. So I want you to, for a minute just to think about the truth for thinking because there's a lot of thinking people who struggle with their faith. And I want to stand before you today to say that Jesus provides truth 
for the mind. He, you know, you are supposed to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so if we love God with our mind, then, then Jesus is the truth for our thinking. If there is no absolute right or wrong, then, then you can really do no wrong because you, you'll always be able to rationalize it and justify anything. But there is a God who stands over us and gives us a plumb line to follow. And that plumb line is who? It's Jesus. Jesus is the moral standard of perfection that has been given to us to pattern our lives after. God's truth is foundation for everything. So we can submit our minds to God. When you come into the church, you do not have to shut your minds down. You do not have to stop thinking. If you love God with your mind, you can think about your faith. You can think about Jesus. You can think about anything. And if Jesus is truth, wherever, wherever you're led, Jesus will be the source of it if that is the truth. He's the source of all truth. And so you don't have to be afraid. If you're studying science, you don't have to be afraid that science is going to lead you some direction away from the truth. If science leads you to the truth, you'll end up at Jesus because Jesus is the source. It reminds me of those, those ancient explorers who used to drop little pieces of paper or something like that when they were going into unfamiliar territory so they could find their way back out following a trail. Jesus has done that for us. He is the source of truth. And wherever science may take you, wherever philosophy may take you, wherever um, any kind of, of academic discipline may take you, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus has created the truth. He is the truth. He embodies the truth. And you can love him with your mind and not have to be afraid of it. Let me say this, and I almost didn't do it. A couple months ago, there was a debate uh, on television between Bill Nye, the science guy, and Ken Ham, the creationist. Did y'all follow that in the news? A lot of folks followed it. I don't think it really changed anybody's minds because they both painted themselves in, in, a, in a mutually exclusive kind of, of, of debate, argument. Bill Nye said, this world was created by science and there's no room for God anywhere. And Ken Ham said, no, it's all God and there's no science. And there was no middle ground. There was no, no in-between. And, and I, you know, I'm sitting there, I didn't really listen to the whole debate, but I'm just sitting there thinking, why, why does Bill Nye rule out the existence of God? Why could God not have worked through science to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish? You know, why do we say, put parameters on how God did what he did when he did it? God could do things any way he wanted to. And so the debate didn't, I don't think anybody won, anybody lost. It was just nobody's minds were changed because they, they, they just folded their arms and turned their backs and said, my way's the only way, and there can be no other way. But I think God can work any way he wants to, and I'm not afraid of whatever truth science might reveal. I'm just not afraid of it because I know Jesus is behind it, and God created it, and that's enough for me. So Jesus is the truth for thinking. You don't have to be afraid to think. 
if you're looking for absolute truth. Jesus is also the truth for living. And what I mean by that is, is he's given us instructions to follow. Very explicit, very clear instructions in his guidebook. And the problem with, with the Bible is not that people don't understand it. The problem is the people don't read it. When we read it and apply it, we don't have a problem. It's kind of like when you get a car, you get an owner's instructions. You get an instruction manual that comes with your car. But what if you choose not to read the instruction manual? <clears throat> you never change the oil. Well, that's what Bill does. <laughs> uh, you never, uh, never put any air in your tires. You know, maybe you don't put much gas in. And then one day you find yourself on the side of the road broken down and you get mad at your car. When all along you haven't been following what the owner's manual and the instructions told you to do. And it's the same way with the Bible. Oftentimes we get mad at God when we have not been following the instruction manual that he has provided us to do, to follow. These are the instructions. I am your creator. This is the owner's manual. I, I own you. I created you. I know how you tick. I know what you need to function properly. And if you ignore the instructions, you do so to your own demise, to your own destruction, and then you blame God for it. He's given us instructions. It reminds me, I had a friend at seminary from Nigeria whose, whose name was Solomon Abagunde. He was a great, great guy, an evangelist, and he came to America to seminary education. He was going to go back home to be a pastor. And he said the first time he came to America, he went to Dairy Queen, and he saw the sign at Dairy Queen that said, Burgers, Fries, Dogs. And he said, Who is Mr. Burgers, and why does he do that awful thing to little puppies? Burgers, Fries, Dogs. And I'm going, you know, we've got a communication problem here. We've got a problem with translation. And, and that's not the kind of problem we have with the Bible. The Bible is very clear. The Bible gives us God's truth and it points us to Jesus and it gives us an absolute moral perfection, plumb line, standard, straight up and down to follow. And when you align yourselves with Jesus, you don't have to worry about doing right or wrong. So when someone offers you answers to the exam on a test, do you have to think about it? No. If someone suggests you get involved in a relationship outside of marriage, do you have to think about it? No. If someone asks you to juggle the company books to make some money, do you have to think about it? No because you know what's right and what's wrong. You know what the truth is. There is an absolute moral truth, and it's Jesus. It's not what feels good at the time. It's not what everybody else might be doing or even one other person might be doing. It's what Jesus is. And if you follow him, you have an absolute moral standard to follow. I heard a friend in college, and I've never really forgotten this, he used to say, so many people say, well, this is kind of gray, and I'm not sure, so I'm going to do it until I think it's wrong. That's the wrong way of going about it. What you ought to say is, 
this is kind of gray and I'm not sure, so I'm not going to do it until the Bible tells me it's right. Don't do something until you know that it lines up with the absolute moral standard of Jesus. He is the truth for living, and following him will mean living your life differently, but it will also give your life meaning and fulfillment. It'll give you a purpose. And you won't have to wake up in the morning and wonder, you know, what am I going to do about that or, or worry about this or that because you have a standard to follow. You have an absolute moral truth. That's Jesus. And you can follow him. So he is the truth for thinking. He's the truth for living. He is the truth forever. He has always been truth. He's always going to be truth. That began back in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1. Everything is here because God created it, and he sustains it, and he is in the midst of it through Jesus, and he is with us now. It started at the very beginning. But in that process, we invited sin into the world. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? It's because we introduced, we introduced it into the world, not God. We brought it in, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And so what did God do? He didn't stay removed and distanced and fold his arms disgustedly and said, I gave them everything and they've ruined it. No. He sent Jesus into our fallen world to redeem us from our sins, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is the truth for thinking and for living and forever. From the very beginning of time, through the fall of man, through God's redemption, through Jesus offering you the opportunity to have a relationship with him, an everlasting life. The songwriter was right, one of those beautiful songs from Alleluia, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives all fear, is gone. All fear is gone. What do we have to be afraid of? We have the truth. We have Jesus. And he'll always be enough. So many people get the facts mixed up. I heard two farmers were talking one day and one farmer came up to the other and said, I heard you made $60,000 last year in alfalfa. And the other farmer said, well, no, not exactly. It wasn't me. It was my brother. And it wasn't alfalfa. It was oats. And it wasn't $60,000. It was $6,000. And he didn't make it. He lost it. So in other words, none of what you thought was true. And that's the way it is so often. But if you want to know what's true, look at Jesus. He is truth. In the flesh, he embodies it. He personifies truth. He stood before Pilate. Pilate said, what is truth? And a few chapters earlier, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Brothers and sisters, we need to get back 
to the truth. And stop rationalizing the way things that we know are wrong, but we want to do them anyway. We need to stop being influenced by a society of moral relativism where if it feels good, it must be okay. How can it be wrong? And instead of following society, what everybody else is doing, follow the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Rayburn Martin, our, our building superintendent, had a wise mother. And oftentimes Rayburn will give us little bits of wisdom that his mother offered. And one time she said, Rayburn, always tell the truth. It won't always be easy, but it'll always be the truth. And if you always tell the truth, you don't have to worry about remembering a lie because the truth will always be the truth. Let's bow together. <clears throat> Father, we have been lulled into a sense of, of relative ambiguity where so many people around us are doing what feels good, rationalizing that it must be okay, that it must be right, if it doesn't harm anybody else, or if, if other people are doing it, or if it just seems right in their own eyes, then it must be right. And so we have slidden down a slippery slope that's taken us further and further away from what is truth and what is right and what is moral. Help us line our lives up to Jesus. Help us look to him who is perfection, who is the truth, who is the standard that you have given to us. And not be like Pilate wondering what is truth with a shrug of the shoulders and then walking away, doing what we want to do anyway. <clears throat> Help us look to Jesus. And when someone asks a question that we know is wrong, give us the fortitude and the character to say no. boldness that you'll give us the strength to follow through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.